Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus, and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. We must run the race the Father has set before us, our eyes fixed upon Jesus, pursuing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. This is the message of Hebrews chapter 12, our text for today. We're looking at Jesus, a new and living way, and specifically at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12 carries on what began in Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter that we saw the words by faith used many times as the story of God's people who demonstrated what it meant to live by faith was spelled out in Hebrews chapter 11. But as we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, we see that word, therefore, and it's drawing from that example of faith that has gone before us. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all of the names mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and more are a part of this surrounding cloud of witnesses, even now. Now, this does not mean that these people are in heaven looking down, watching what we're doing. What it means to call them a great cloud of witnesses is that their lives testify for us what it means to live by faith. They have given us an example that we can look to and be reminded of, and it surrounds us. Verse 1 goes on to say, Let us also lay aside every weight. Now that word weight is anything that is an impediment or a hindrance, something weighing you down and keeping you from running competitively in this race that is set before us. The original hearers of Hebrews would understand this illustration well because an athlete that wants to compete in a race would lay aside his heavy cloak because if he kept that cloak on, he could trip over it. It would hinder him from running fast and running to win the race. Nothing specifically is mentioned as a weight. So what is such a weight? What is such a hindrance? It's an open-ended question for us to answer. What are those things that are weighing us down? As we look through the scriptures, there are certain things that can weigh us down in life. Some will appear later in this chapter. Whatever it is that is hindering us from living by faith, 
we are to lay it aside. But then verse 1 goes on to give us something very specific. We are also to lay aside. Look with me at verse 1. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. And sin is qualified even more by saying sin which clings so closely. Sin which easily ensnares. Sin is something that can very quickly gain control over us if we allow it to. But the gospel proclamation, the good news in Jesus Christ, is that sin no longer has any power over us. And because of that, we can lay it aside. Because of that, we can put it away in the name of Jesus. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. Now, athletes in the race will look at the finish line, at the prize, and they run with perseverance and endurance to win that race, which a race, by the way, is a struggle in itself. It's a competition. But we as Christians, the race that's set before us, the race of a life by faith, pleasing to God, obedient to God, is one in which our goal, our prize that we fix our eyes upon is none other than Jesus himself. And why? Well, verse 2 goes on to explain that even more. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, meaning Jesus is the originator. Jesus is the beginning of our faith. Jesus is the perfecter, the completer, the end of our faith, beginning to end. If you desire to live by faith, to please God, to believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, if that's the race that you wish to run, then it can only be run by looking unto Jesus because Jesus is the beginning and end. If you want to run some other race, that's outside the bounds of faith. And how many of us are running races outside the bounds of faith, are pursuing directions in life outside of faith? Let us all turn our eyes upon Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 11 gave us many examples of people who lived and died by faith. But none of those examples come close to the example we find in Jesus. And this is what verse 2 is explaining for us. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, rather than that joy, what did he do? He endured. And he endured what? The cross. Despising the shame. In other words, there was a shame that came with his work upon the cross. Yet, it was not something that Jesus even considered as a factor worth considering. He just disregarded that shame so that he might obey. And he endured the cross and is seated 
at the right hand of the throne of God. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God after his work was finished, and he is still seated there even now. And Jesus is returning one day soon from that very place, from the right hand, that seat of majesty and authority and power, the right hand of the throne of God. And so, verse 3, consider him. This is our command. Consider Jesus who endured. We are asked now to consider his endurance and then how we also are to endure because he endured. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What Jesus did in his enduring is meant to strengthen us so that we do not grow faint and weary. And verse 4 tells us that in our struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding our blood. Jesus resisted sin, and Jesus endured obediently unto the cross where he shed his blood once for all as a perfect sacrifice for sin. But we have not gone that far in our enduring and in our resisting of sin. So what is verse 4 saying? Simply this. Look up here. This is important. There is still more enduring for you. There is still more that you can endure. You haven't endured to the utmost yet. You haven't endured to the extreme that Jesus did. And so there's still room for all of us to continue persevering in patient endurance. Verse 5, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And now Hebrews refers back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. And this was the exhortation in that scripture. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. This is the exhortation, and here is what it means. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. Why are we to endure for discipline? If you were to stop enduring, you may be giving up too soon and missing out on what God is doing to discipline you, to train you so that you might live in holiness and righteousness in this life of faith. Verse 7 says, God is treating you as sons. And this applies to you as well, daughters. You are treated by God as a son because you will inherit as a son as well. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, if you are a son of God, 
you will be disciplined by God because God is a good father. And good fathers discipline their sons. Marianne asked me one day, have the kids learned their Bible verse for this month? Children, obey your parents, for you belong to the Lord. And I said, well, they've learned the words, but we're still working on what it means. You see, it's one thing to know that we are to obey the Lord. It's another thing to actually obey. And that is how we are helped by discipline. That is what I am teaching my own children when I discipline them. Because if they will not learn how to obey their earthly father, then they will not know how to obey their heavenly father. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? In mind here is eternal life. Our bodies will die, but our spirits will live. And God is the Father of spirits. And He is the one who is teaching us obedience. And it matters beyond just this life because the life of faith is beyond just this bodily, earthly life. It's that which continues on into eternity. And so what is happening now by faith has eternal implications. Verse 10, For they, being the earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. Why does God discipline us? For our good, and so that we might share in his holiness. As we are being trained, as we are being disciplined, we are to endure, because on the other side of that discipline, on the other side of that endurance, is a sharing in the holiness with God. Verse 11, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Here's the principle. If we are not disciplined by our Heavenly Father, we will not yield the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us, the peaceful fruit that God gives, the fruit of righteousness, holiness. And so endure, don't give up whatever painful things you're enduring because it may just be the disciplining of the Lord for your good so that you might bear these fruits pleasing unto him. Verse 12, Therefore, Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Think back to that imagery of an athlete running a race or even competing in a boxing match. That athlete cannot compete with drooping hands 
and weakened knees and crooked feet on a crooked path. Instead, to run the race or to compete with endurance, that athlete must lift up his hands, strengthen his knees, and put his feet on a straight path. Kids, if you're still watching, stand up for a minute as my kids help us model what that could look like. Droop your hands and weak knees and crooked feet. You are fearful. Now, straighten up your hands and strengthen up your knees and straighten up your feet. You are faithful. The posture of our body matters for the race, for the competition, for the endurance, for the struggles that's ahead. And verse 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is a very important verse. We are to strive for peace with everyone. Now that word everyone is speaking of the community of faith. Everyone who is a brother or sister in Christ. Because Christ makes peace. Christ is our peace. The Holy Spirit in us yields forth a fruit of peace. It is only through Christ that peace may come about. And we are to strive for such a peace with all who are in the faith, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I know this, only your holiness is what will allow you to see the Lord. And this holiness is not anything that you can produce in and of yourself. It is only a holiness. What is set apart, that's what holy means. It is only a holiness that comes from God in Christ Jesus. And so you cannot have peace apart from Christ. You can't have peace with God. You can't have peace with your neighbors apart from him. And the same is true about holiness. Verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Underline those three words, see to it, at the beginning of verse 15. See to it. That means show concern for, take great care for. We are to show a great concern for three things when it comes to our brothers and sisters in the faith. The first one, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. God has offered us his grace, and yet it is possible for someone to fail to obtain that grace. God is offering it, but those who do not obtain it are those who do not receive it, those who reject it. This is speaking of the apostate, those that fall away from the faith. Also, verse 15 says that we are to see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Hear God's word. Many become defiled 
by this one thing, a root of bitterness. Not just bitterness, but a bitterness that has taken root. Let us take care that no one among us allows such a root of bitterness in our souls, lest they fall away from the living God. See to it, verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy. Sexual immorality, another defilement, an easily ensnaring sin, so prevalent. Who is an example of someone who is unholy? Esau. Verse 16, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. You remember the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau sold his birthright. He was the firstborn and he gave away that birthright because he was hungry. He wanted a meal, just one. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Is this saying that we have no chance to repent of our sins? What it's saying is Esau had no chance to repent, no chance to turn back from what he had already done in selling his birthright. He sought an opportunity with tears to undo what he had done. And yet there was no chance to undo it, to turn away from it. It was done. Brothers and sisters, so it is of one who falls away from the living God. Hebrews has already made this clear. One who has fallen away, who has already tasted of the heavenly gift, it's impossible for that person to be renewed again unto repentance. What we are doing in living for the Lord matters. Verse 18 speaks directly to the hearers of Hebrews and to us. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. This refers back to Exodus chapter 19, when God spoke to his people, Israel, when God made a covenant with them. The people were told to consecrate themselves because the Lord would descend upon that mountain and no one should even touch that mountain or else they would die. And when God descended on the mountain, there was fire and lightning and the earth shook and there was thunderings. The people heard the voice of God and they said, may we not hear the voice of God in this way again, lest we die. Even Moses trembled in fear. And what did God do in his grace? He made a provision that his voice may be heard without fear of death, so that his voice may be heard and we might live. God's provision is his own son, Jesus. 
Jesus did not come just to die on the cross for us. Jesus came also to show us how to live. Jesus is a new and living way. And in showing us how to live, he showed us the Father by speaking to us God's word. Verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Jesus spoke to us a better word. And just like the blood of Abel cried up from the ground, the blood of Jesus speaks loudly of how much God loves you. So much so that he sent his own son to die shedding his own blood so that we might be forgiven of our sins. Christ died for our sin, according to the scripture. He was buried, and on the third day, he was raised, according to the scriptures. And if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we have this promise from God's word we will be saved. We will be made holy. We will produce the fruit of righteousness in Christ. Verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. This really is the message of Hebrews. Do not refuse the word of God's Son, Jesus. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God verse 29 says, is a consuming fire. Hear this gospel proclamation. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and it is a kingdom where Christ is king. And we may worship God with acceptable worship, there are so many things that we think are worship, 
that are not acceptable unto God. How do you know if your worship is acceptable to God? Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, with Abel and his offering. His offering was accepted by God because it was offered by faith. Have you ever thought about our worship of God, congregationally or individually? It's only acceptable unto God if it's offered by faith, meaning that we believe God exists and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him and that He sent His own Son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin, who was buried and raised again and who is coming again soon. I hope you have faith in Jesus. If you want to begin this race of faith, you can begin the race today by fixing your eyes upon Jesus and for the first time in your life, offering acceptable worship to God in His name. We must run the race the Father has set before us, our eyes fixed upon Jesus, pursuing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. Go now in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.